Okay. How is everyone doing? Isn't that, wasn't those um, um, words of encouragement and stories incredible? Uh, I mean, I really pretty much have nothing else to really say. I mean, we could literally close the service right now and all go home, but you're going to have to bear with me for a little, a, a little while. Um, I want us to very quickly just turn to our reading for today very quickly. Let's go to Matthew chapter 16 and verses 13. Matthew chapter 16 and verses 13. It says this. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea, Philippi, he asked the disciples, who do people say the son of man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. God bless the reading of his word. All right, I want to try a bit of a social experiment. Um... I'm going to ask you to turn to your neighbor. And if you don't know them, it's okay, right? It's an opportunity to make a friend, right? And I want you to ask your neighbor one question. And I'm aware there's all of us who come from different walks. Some of us are here to support um, those getting baptized. And we might not all be Christians in the room. But I want you to ask your neighbor this question. Why be a Christian? And simply see what they say. Very quickly, I'm just going to give you literally 30 seconds. Ask your neighbor, why be a Christian? And expect them to answer it. And then you can ask the neighbor back that. Now, if you're not a Christian, it's absolutely okay. You can give a hypothetical answer, but I want you to do that. Yeah, okay. Now hopefully, hopefully you got some answers. It seems some of these answers are very, very long, right? <laughs> but yeah, we can come back here now. All right, so why be a Christian? Now, as you will hear from the chatter in the room, there is as many ways to answer this question as there are people in this room. Because the truth is, why somebody might be a Christian might be a very personal reason, but the truth is, there is many answers. And usually, the answer that the person gives usually tells you a lot about who they are and at what point in their journey of faith they might be on. But I want to try today to give an answer to this question that is not usually 
said. And maybe some of you might know it, but it's not usually emphasized. And I, on today's, uh, since the baptism service, I thought I, I would endeavor to try and give an answer to this question that maybe you might not have heard, or maybe you have. And to do that, I want to take, turn to another Bible verse. This is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verses 17. And it says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, please pay attention to that phrase because hopefully by the end of my talk, that will mean a lot more. If anyone is in, in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. Now, I don't know how many answers there were in this room, how they varied, but all the answers that you could ever give can probably be summarized in that verse of scripture we just read. And hopefully you will get my point um, by the time I'm done with this talk. And now I'm going to cue my lovely assistant um, to, to, to bring the prop up to the stage. Come on, let's give it up for my lovely assistant. Look, yeah, my lovely assistant. Look how, isn't he so graceful? Yes, yes. Brilliant. All right. Can you, can you, sorry, Dom, can you just move it right here? I'm not paying you enough, I know, but it's all right. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Thanks, mate. All right. So, now, I want to read to you the same verse I have just read to you, but I want to read to you in a different um, translation. It's the New King James translation, which is a bit of an older version, because there's a certain word I want to really point out. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, there are a new creation. Listen to this. Old things have passed away. And then it's got this word. Behold. I love that word. Behold. All things have become new. And I love that word because it's like a reveal. It's like there is something going on here and I don't know whether you see it. And the writer is trying to emphasize what's happening. And he's like, behold. Guys, do, do, you, do you see what I see? All things have become new. In other words, there is something happening in this verse that is actually quite wonderful, quite magical. In fact, when you look at the original Greek, when it talks about a new creation, literally, it's not mincing its words. It's saying when you become a Christian, something at the metabolic human biological level is shifting. It's a mystery, in fact, that's going on here. And he's saying, I want you guys to see what I am seeing. Everything has become new. Now, what's this prop for? This side represents what the verse talked about, the old man, right? So, typically, and this is what happened for me, and we heard some of the stories today as well. Typically, what happens is that the old man represents everything that we are that is typically in antithesis to God, in contradiction to God's ways. It represents the anxieties, the fears, the selfishness, the issues, the sins we sometimes have in, that separate us from God. And when I use that word sin, literally all sin is, is missing the mark. That's all it is. It's missing the mark. And what is the mark? The mark is the standard for which God created us for. And just in case you're wondering, what is that standard? The Bible simply says this, that God is love. 
And so when we miss the standard of love in treating others or ourselves and even towards God, we have missed the mark. We have sinned. Are you with me? And so that's what the old man represents. It represents that guy, that individual, that girl that is away from God, doesn't understand God. And all of a sudden, one day, we see the cross. And we see the cross from a distance and we begin to walk to the cross and we ask questions like, could this be the solution to this old nature, the anxieties, the fear, the stress, the, the sin falling and missing the mark. And you see the problem with missing the mark is when you read the Bible, the consequences for missing the mark are quite dire. I always like to say this to the young people who are in the bus. I said, every single time we sin or miss the mark, when we fail to love God, love others and love ourselves in the way God expects us to, there is a receipt we get at the end of that and it costs. And do you know what that receipt says at the end? Do you know what the price you have to pay is? Your, thank you, Dan. Daniel was listening. You deserve a chocolate, Daniel. I always give them chocolate when they get answer right. All right, no. But he says, literally, he says, you, you die. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. And so it's almost like going to a restaurant right and you get the bill and you look at the end of the bill and you're like whoa what how much how much do I have to pay and in this instance it's the bill of your life and every time we miss the mark we have to pay with our life we have to die and so cue Jesus Jesus steps in at the cross and says hey hey I'll get that bill for you I'll die so you don't have to die and so this is, we just celebrated Easter. This is what the cross represents. I'll die so you don't have to die. You don't have to pay the bill. Don't you just love it when you go out with your friends and they get the bill for you? <laughs> well, okay, me, that's just me. All right. But literally, this is what Jesus did. He came and said, I'll take the bill for you missing the mark. Failing to love others the way God expects you to. Failing to love yourself the way God expects you to. Failing to be in interaction and love God the way he expects us and created us for. He says, I'll get the bill for that. All you have to do is believe in me. And so what happens is we make our way to the cross and we get to the cross. And the Bible says, the old man, all of this has passed away. Why is it passed away? Because Jesus died for us. And so we take his death as our death. This is what baptism represents. We take his death as our death. And so do you know what I did for many years in my Christian walk? I got to the cross. I was like, phew, Jesus, thank you. And I looked back and I said, oh, brilliant. The old man has passed away. Oh, finally, the anxieties, the issues, the fears, all of that dread has passed away. Thank you, Jesus. I would sing songs about the cross as we all do and we should do. And then one time, in the, in, in the form of this analogy, God said, turn around, Andrew. So what do you mean, turn around? He says, turn around. Thank you for what you did for me. I know I did that, but turn around. Behold. Behold. And you see, many of us as Christians sometimes live our life from this perspective. We get to the cross and we turn around and looking at our past life and what we've overcome and the things. But there's a whole nother world. And the Bible says, behold, everything has become new. The, the analogy I'd like to give, it's like when Peter Parker finally realizes he's Spider-Man. 
You know what I mean? And he realizes he can do things that he couldn't do before. It's when Neo in the Matrix um, is being shot at by the, by the agents and he looks and he says, something's different. And he can read the Matrix and he just lifts up his hands and the bullets stop. It, but it's more like the moment in The Lion, Witch and the Wardrobe when they're playing hide and seek and they finally enter the wardrobe and they realize that this wardrobe is not ending and that there is a whole nother world, another universe to be encountered and to be experienced. And this is what happened to me. I was a Christian. I had thanked God for the cross, but I had this vantage point. And do you know what happened when I had this vantage point? I kept on struggling with the old man stuff, going in and out of past issues consistently, because whatever you focus on, you keep thinking about, correct? And you keep doing. It's like if I say to you, don't curse today. And I say, don't curse, don't curse, don't curse. What's your mind going to be thinking about all day? Not cursing. It's in the positive negative sense. Are you with me? You're saying don't do something, but because I'm giving it focus, my brain keeps thinking about it and I keep thinking of doing it. Are you with me? I don't know whether anybody else like me. The best thing to do is to completely give yourself something else to think about. And God says, thank me for what I've done, but there's a whole nother world. I want you to experience, behold, all things have become new. I want to say something to you guys. The cross is not the be all and end all of Christianity, but rather it is the start and foundation of Christianity. Does anybody hear what I'm saying? right? It is the start of Christianity. From this vantage point, God says, I have a whole nother world for you to experience and to encounter. Question becomes, is how do we do that? How do we encounter this new world that we have? Andrew, what do I have to tick off? What boxes do I have to check? And this is the point. There is no boxes you have to check. And some of you were probably wondering why I read the opening verses of scripture. Well, Jesus is chilling with his disciples on one hot afternoon. I'm making this up. I wasn't there exactly, but I, you know, I'm adding a bit more to the, the verse of scripture. And he asked them a question. He says, guys, what's the gossip on the street? Who do people say that I am? Right? He's saying, what, what are people saying about me? And then his disciples say, well, some people think you're Jeremiah. Some people think you're a prophet. Some people think all these different things. And they were taking attributes that they saw of Jesus. And they were saying, well, some people think this, some people think that. And you see, this question still stands today. It's the universal question. What do you think of Jesus? Is he just another philosopher? Is he just another individual or is he actually who he said he was? Could it be that he is the son of God? But anyway, so the disciples after giving this, Jesus says, okay, thank you for telling me what everybody else said. He says, who do you guys think I am? And listen to what Simon says. He says, you are the Messiah. The Christ, the anointed one, 
the one who's been prophesied about for over 4,000 years of Bible history that would come and redeem the Israelites from all their issues and mess. You are that guy. Now you see, that was amazing for Peter to know that he was the Messiah. But there's something else Peter does that makes even Jesus' mind go, ping, like you're not, you didn't get this from you. God is talking to you, Peter. And do you know what he says? You are the Messiah, the son of God. You see, in the ancient scripts, we knew the Messiah was coming, but to make the connection that the Messiah would be the son of God, Jesus is like, flesh and blood have not revealed that to you. No, no, you must have a connection with God. You must be speaking to the heavenly father because no one would have known that. It's an insight you can only get if you're connected with the father. But this is the part I wanna emphasize. Jesus then looks at Peter after Peter acknowledges who he is. Jesus doesn't stop there. And this is what we do. We acknowledge who Jesus is on the cross. We acknowledge we need saving. We get to the cross and we look like this. And Jesus taps us on the shoulder and says, Peter, Andrew, Alice, turn around. And then Jesus does something incredible. You've acknowledged who I am. I am now going to acknowledge you. You are not Simon. You are Peter. Jesus tells Simon who he truly is. The way we experience the wonder of Christianity, the behold, is not through do's and don'ts. It's by acknowledging and hearing God speaking to us our true identity. Is anyone hearing what I'm saying? And in that moment, Simon gets an upgrade and he realizes, I am actually Peter. You see, because the number one question most of us have in this room is actually, what is my purpose? And why in the world have I been put on this earth? But the Bible answers this question and it answers it not through prescribed methods of do's and don'ts. It answers this question through the revelation of who you truly are. And God says, this is who you are. And I can tell you countless stories of people who have come to the cross. And then God says, now you've acknowledged me. I want to acknowledge you. And they turn around and they begin to see who they are. One of them is actually my sister. Um, I remember um, she's actually in the audience. Everything I'm about to say, I'm saying in front of her. But my sister was a very difficult child. No, she was very, very difficult. Imagine a difficult child, yeah? Times that by like 50. Mince it in a blender and times about another 100, right? That's how Julie was. Julie was very, very difficult. Um, she was the kind of child growing up and teenager that was like, you know when you feel like you're walking on eggshells? Like any minute this thing can pop off, right? Yeah? And oh my goodness. Like we were laughing about this um, uh, on Easter just gone because we spent Easter with each other. And without fail, every single time our parents would ask us to do the dishes, we would fight. Fight. And when I say fight, it was WWF fight, you know? I'm not talking about just verbally. It was like, ah, yeah? And Julie was just one of those individuals. And I remember... Um, 
One time I became, a, I became a Christian. I saw the cross. I was standing at the cross and I was like, Lord, I really want you to do something for my sister. Partly because I'm tired of fighting, right? I was like, something needs to happen. And I remember talking to Julie about faith and, and Christianity. And do you know what she said to me? She said to me, if I go to hell, that's my business. And it was followed by a door slam. That was Julie, right? That was Julie. And then at her 18th birthday, and this was a miracle for me because I began to pray about Julie and I, I, I had faith and I, I dared to ask God, God, I am going to believe that you're going to do something incredible in Julie's life when she's 18. And I prayed about it. Pray. I used to walk in her room when she was not there <laughs> and I would pray over her bed and in her room, she'd kill me. She knew I was in there, right? And I would just pray over her and say, Lord, may you do something. Anyway, lo and behold, on her 18th birthday, Julie gave her life to Jesus. But she didn't just give her life. She turned like this. And oh my goodness. Now we were a loving family, but we were not very affectionate. We're not very lovey-dovey touchy. When Julie became a Christian, she literally became the very opposite thing that she was before. She became literally, she, she, she introduced the maternal sense of instinct and care and love. Every birthday now was celebrated. Everybody was loved. She was the one who would give us hugs and kisses. She's always laughing. You know Julie's around because you just hear laughter. From walking on eggshells, she got to the cross the old man died and now she became the representation of affection. So much so that Julie's one of those characters that she's such a giver. Have you ever had somebody in your life who gives so much they make you feel uncomfortable? You know, it's like, no, will you please stop giving me stuff? You're making me feel uncomfortable. That's Julie. Why am I telling you this story about Julie? It's because to show you that there is another world that's not revealed to us ticking boxes, but it's revealed as our heavenly father, our creator, tells us who we truly are. And when that miracle happens, my goodness, my goodness, behold, everything has become new. I want to tell you another quick story. So another guy, I'll leave his name, I'll leave him nameless. But um, I remember we used to do these productions in, our, in my, the old church I used to go to um, for the youth ministry. And so we used to do these productions that would talk about faith and Christianity. And I clearly remember a young man um, at the age of around 16 years old, at the end, I, I gave an opportunity for people to accept Jesus, to, to embrace the cross, to go through this journey. And he put up his hand and he said, yes. And he came to the front. Now, unbeknownst to me then, but this young man was involved in, on the streets and gang and night and all that kind of stuff. And he was one of those guys where he was almost like a leader type. He wasn't just a follower. This guy was the one who would probably be the guy on the streets who runs things. You know what I mean? He was one of those guys. And he gave his life to Jesus. And when he gave his life to Jesus, I remember him. I mean, literally, um, even the way he talked, everything was hood, street. Proper, hardcore, you get me, mate? Everything, yeah? He was proper just in that life. And he gave his life to Jesus. Fast forward now, he's married with three children and he's probably going to be the first multimillionaire I've, I've ever known. Right? When he became a Christian, left the street life, went to university, realized he had a real knack for coding, 
began to code. This guy's got multiple businesses, completely becomes it. Now I'm not trying to represent the materialistic things. That's not my point here. I'm just trying to show you the complete difference, the night and day transition of imagine his trajectory in life if he had not encountered the cross. Where would he be? He'd probably be in prison or sadly, he'd probably be six feet underground. As we know, so many horrific stories that are out there about street life. But what did Jesus do? Jesus not only allowed him to claim a new life at this vantage point, but had something else to show him. And this is why Jesus said this, and I'm gonna finish with this. He says, I came that you may have life. But he doesn't just stop there. He says, so that you might have life abundantly. And so why become a Christian? Because Christianity is just about as much about knowing Jesus as it is about truly knowing yourself in the true sense of how God created you to be. There is a wonder and a joy that is unexpressible other than when you've had the opportunity to walk that journey yourself and you heard it represented in some of the stories said here today. And somebody said, Amen.